Welcome to In the Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Duop and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to In The Note. We are back for our, what seems to be like once a month episode. So it's a special occurrence somewhere between Christmas and New Year's. We are giving you this episode. Welcome, Mason. How's it going, my man? Long time no talk. <laughs> uh, going good. Um, been down in New Orleans for a, while, a little while now and um, had a chance to see a few games in person. So Nice, nice street, and they're they're playing pretty well when I go. So I think I got to keep going to these games. Either close losses are are, are pretty are pretty fun wins. Um, but uh, yeah, just enjoying some time with family for the holidays. Um, what uh, what about you? You are uh, traveling a bit. Yeah, I was in California for a little bit. Was coaching Tulane at the College Ultimate Frisbee National Championship. Uh, they did pretty well there. They broke seed. Um, Come on, we you're you're such a, a humble coach we man you're the coach not them <laughs> we we broke seed <laughs> um so yeah i mean it was cool because we were in this quote-unquote pool of death to start off with because in our pool was um pit who is a historically good program uh, they won, I believe, two, maybe three years ago. I think they won the last, like, pen, like the one last national championship that was, like, pre-pandemic. And then they were returning a guy who got basically voted, like, the equivalent of, like, college player of the year. And so he was a lot of comeback due to weird eligibility rules that the pandemic afforded. And so they were in our pool. And then Brown had won last year's national championship. They were in our pool. And then NC State, who is uh, North Carolina teams are just very good in general. Um, and then Illinois. So, like, the way it works is there's 20 teams invited. So, like, I guess, quote, unquote, the 20 best teams in the country are there. It's not necessarily always the 20 best because, you have, like, it depends on, like, who qualifies in their, in their region. But it's basically what it shakes out to be. And Tulane was seated uh, 16. And... So the first game we beat Pitt um, on on what they call as a double game point, which is the score is tied. So 12-12, game to 13, next person scores, wins. And so it was like uh, just starting the tournament off with an enormous upset because everyone, like, you know, like all like them um, in the NBA, like before the playoffs, like each like media uh, representative picks like what the outcome of the series is going to be and like no one picked too late in like the the ultimate um i guess power rankings or the fantasy group or the bracket challenge or whatever the fuck equivalent is no one would pick too late uh not to beat pit and so it was a pretty big upset and uh caused quite an uproar and then Tulane played pretty well we ended up finishing 11th overall um so broke seed 
had a good weekend. Um, that was fun. California was nice. This is awesome. way too much about Ultimate Frisbee. I'm nah. sure like three people followed what I was talking about. Dude, awesome, awesome to hear. I mean, that that's that's so much fun. I've, I mean, I've talked to enough through the years about baseball for me, and so I, I mean, I, you know, playing club baseball too late for I, I kind of, I get how exhilarating and and fun that stuff is. So, um, happy, happy for you. It's great. Yeah, the kids are hyped. They definitely like got their first taste of like playing on a big stage, and they're like, yeah, we want to be back. And so, um, yeah, well, I'm excited for them. So two a day start next week. Oh yeah. Well, what sucks is that the school is like has delayed the kids coming back because of how bad the COVID cases have gotten recently, and so they're supposed to come back. I think like the weekend before MLK, or maybe like the the week after MLK. And now it's like delayed like a week or two. And our first tournament is a pretty big one in Florida, where like again like all these like big like now that we like made nationals, we get invited to like all the big tournaments, and so like all these like good teams are going to come to this tournament in Florida and we're going to have two practices before, before we even go. And so like, I'm concerned on multiple levels and a, like, you know, we're losing a good number of people because the, the weird eligibility rules ended um, with this past semester. And so we're losing a bunch of super seniors. And then, um, so we're going to have no like practice with the, with, I guess the younger group that's going to be filling their shoes. And then I'm concerned we are opening ourselves up to injury because, you know, I don't know what they're doing over break. I mean, some of them are dedicated to working out, but just to have two practices and jump into a full tournament is kind of uh, intense. Yeah. Um, I feel like very, uh, very highly related to what's going on in the NBA right now. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're seeing, yeah. play, you're, you're seeing players, um, you know, coming back from COVID protocols. And it sounds like a lot of the cases uh, have been, you know, at least Omicron related have been pretty mild, but you, guys are skipping a game just, just to get back in shape. And so it's good that training staffs are doing that. Um, but, you know, you kind of see even, even, even if it's not, you know, knocking you out, knocking you down for a long time, um, you still got to take a bit to actually to get back into <laughs> NBA caliber shape, you know? Yeah, man, it's, um, it's a wild world. I feel like I'm just waiting for the news to break the Pelicans to sign him at the Okafor for the fourth time. <laughs> Let's go. That's great. Great name drop. I love it. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Man. That reminds me. Um, so there was a stat at the game last night that the, at the Pelicans video board showed about Herb Jones and how he needed uh, one more block to tie the Pelicans record for consecutive games with one block shot. And I thought back to Chris Paul's incredible steals, consecutive games of the steal record. But I was thinking about who could possibly have that consecutive games of the block shot. And I keep running through these, these players in my head. I was like, okay, it's not Eldon Campbell. <laughs> so yeah, I went all the way back to start. It's not Eldon Campbell. It's like not Okafor. It's not Omar Ashik. Like, um, it's not Andy Davis. Well, so, 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 so my head went to, okay, it's gotta be Tyson Chandler. And then my dad turns me, he's like, uh, Anthony Davis. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I was thinking about centers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. But no, I, I seriously, I no, that, I mean, that joke, it turned out to be a funny joke, but like, that's actually how my mind went. I was running through centers in my head. I was like, Tyson Chandler's the one who makes sense. And I totally had to erase Anthony Davis from my mind because like, oh no, he's a, he's a power forward. He's not a center. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Chris Paul, like Chris Paul streak was so much fun. I remember, yeah. um, I remember going to the games while like that was going on and to be like, he just needs one. He just needs one. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Man. I hope, I hope, uh, they, wait, so he, Herb, Herb tied, right? 
he I, her, her, yeah he tied it so i think he needs and he in a big way i mean we'll talk about it but that he had, he had three blocks in the game um against cleveland so um yeah he needs uh he's got a couple of days to, to rest up and get ready to take over that uh that anthony davis record in new orleans which is uh you know i'm sure everyone would love for a rookie especially i'm surprised ad didn't like i'm surprised the streak is only whatever it is that currently is. Uh, yeah, like thir- because, 13 yeah because ad led the league in blocks like two years two or three years AD led yeah. the league in blocks. Kind of he, he, he left early too many games man <laughs> or just missed them more altogether. Um, man. Okay. So Herbert and the Pelicans both have been playing really, really well, punctuated by last night's win against the Cavaliers, where um, Herb did everything. You know, he scored. He was the first option. I uh, was pouring in points. He, uh, you know, got on the glass, got a couple assists, blocked some shots, playing defense on every single position. I mean, like, what a guy! It was, uh, it was, it was something to watch, man. I, uh, I, um, I, uh, yeah, it was. It's hard to explain. I mean, just because the Pelicans were without so many players. I mean, you go into that and you saw. So, I mean, they had guys who can, like Jonas was back, but Jonas, you could clearly see, was not. He he had he still he missed a couple games with um with that non COVID illness and I think it, you know he he didn't have his full stamina um you know Devonte Graham obviously he, he was like the I think you mentioned it on Twitter he was kind of inverse Devonte last night he was making twos missing threes um but, and then I said regression <laughs> and the mean was going to happen and then it happened and he hit that like big bucket right time <laughs> yep yep and, and so you see all these guys who you think okay these guys can carry the offense for stretches and then of all players. The, the model of offensive consistency for the Pelicans last night was Herb Jones. I mean, that is, I mean, who, who could have thought, I mean, we've seen, he's clearly demonstrated how smart of a player he is on both ends of the floor. I think one of the biggest and most impressive things to be on offense is, is he cut, he, he seems to always know when to make the right cut uh, and, and find himself open and, and create easy passes for other, for teammates. And so, I mean, but he was creating on his own the last night. I mean, he was, he was, he was getting to the rim. I mean, they were clearly missing as good as Josh Hart's been. Um, they were missing that presence uh, as well as Ingram, obviously the two guys who are really consistently getting to the rim and having good results. Um, and so what do you do? I guess you just rely on Herb Jones to, to do it all for you. Um, and so um, I saw, I don't know, if, I don't remember if it was in the NBA, the Pelicans put out that his stat line of 26, seven, three and three, um, he's the first rookie to do that in five years. And the last guy to do it was Carl Anthony tax, which kind of tells you like the type of play and the type of stat lines he's putting together. Like, I think it tells you that those stats are bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a very obscure and, and like, obviously it's only the last five years. So it's not like it's, you know, he, it was super rare, but I mean, he, he is, he, he's piling up stats kind of like a big man. Um, and it speaks to the kind of the role he's the, the Pelicans have ended up putting him in a lot of times. And he was two for four from three. You know, thirty-seven percent from three now. He's yeah. I mean, it's it's fairly low volume, but it's you know when he takes them, there's fairly decent shot uh, chance of it going in. It's pretty pretty nice. He's I okay. So this is a space for overreactions. What 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 is Herbert Jones's offensive future like four years from now? Like what's he look like? Yeah, when he's like twenty six years old. Um, are we talking we're ta- median outcome or ceiling? I mean, I don't know. Like, there's. I said this is a space for overreaction, so you decide. All right. 
All right, so Iguodala is that is that fun? Is that that that's which, really which, nice. which version of Iguodala? <laughs> I mean, we're talking, we're talking more like I'm, I'm thinking like prime prime offensive Iguodala, not 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 the late career Golden State stuff. Okay. I mean, I, I like like Philly, Philadella. Yeah. Okay. What you got? <laughs> I got Jenny Butler, baby. Oh wow! All right, we're really going. So <laughs> <laughs> space for overreaction. He's, uh, he's going to be big. He's going to be strong. He's going to get to his spot. He's going to get to the free throw line, and he's going to live inside the arc. That's what he's going to do. He's going to be Jimmy Butler. No, I, I'm, I, I wish <laughs> with a better with, with a better three point stroke. <laughs> better three point shot. No, I wish. I mean, Jimmy. Jimmy is, is Jimmy is an offensive engine that like. I just don't know how to describe it other than he generates wins and he is absurdly efficient one, because like he gets to the free throw line, like a madman, and, and two, he is very, he's very good at finishing. He's very good in the mid range. And now he's become a very, very, very good passer. And so like his development as a, as a player, has just been pretty impressive as his athleticism has kind of gone down with like various knee, knee issues, but I mean, Jimmy, if Herbert could be anything like Jimmy, um, trade everyone and build around Herbert. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's do that. Yes. I mean, I, the, 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 uh, the overreactions went from like, well, in like the second or third quarter, it's like, okay, so future also Herb Jones. And then it's like, oh, future MVP Herb Jones. That, that's more like it. Yeah. No, I mean, I like the Iguodala comp. I like, I mean, I think even if he gives you Iguodala with the Nuggets or Iguodala with first stint with the Warriors, I mean, that's a really, really good player. So, um, and with more consistency from the free throw line and from three point line. I think you put Herbert on a team with like Steph and uh, and Draymond and Clay. I mean, Herbert really pop on that team. He's like built for a team that plays that way. I mean, and Willie Green basically is copying a lot of what Golden State does, except, you know, the Pelicans don't necessarily have the personnel to do any of what Golden State does. But in terms of, like, how free-flowing they, that they want to play and how re- react they want to be, um, that's what Willie's trying to accomplish, and that's why I think Willie's a good coach for Herb. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, um, I don't know how, how much – did you did you catch uh, how much game did you catch? Did you, I mean, you watched down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, I watched. I watched the the back uh, quarter and a half. So we can we can talk about uh, Jackson Hayes at the four finally happening. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. Do you think that was merely um, a product of injuries and Cleveland playing three seven footers at the same time, or do you think Willie's like, yeah, let's fucking try? Um, I think it's more of the former, but um, I don't know if you caught. Um, so I was listening in with with my dad on there. They the Willie Green talk to season ticket holders tonight, and um, he he definitely leaned into it. One of the questions from fans was was about that situation and, and if he's going to go to it again. And he said, "I he's like he I, he said he wants to. I mean, he he made it clear that he definitely thinks that that's going to happen again. Now, does he mean that? Oh yeah, at some point in the season, it's going to happen again, or what? Does he really like it? I don't know." Um, because I do think it was a unique set of circumstances to allow that to unfold. But I mean, it clearly worked. Um, and, and, and granted, the, the Cavs weren't didn't exactly have all their guys out there uh, either. Um, but 
I, I it was it I like the willingness for uh, of Willie Green to, to get creative and and to you know he could have tried Trey Murphy out there uh, he could have put put you know he could have done something else that that wasn't Jackson Hayes um and but he he did go to it in the first half as well um so it wasn't like he just did this thing down the stretch I believe he had it played it for a little bit in the first half he did um yeah so um so yeah I mean I I would like to see more of it obviously um I, I don't think it necessarily has to be with um with Jonas um at the five obviously that's preferred because I guess your other option is Billy but um I mean I I, I think you see kind of Jackson Hayes skill set, especially defensively. He's not, he's, he's not really shown anything that makes me believe he can be viable at the five. He doesn't, he, he doesn't get physical inside. He doesn't, he doesn't rebound. Um, he's just, he's more, his, his overall skill set right now. <laughs> let's, let's just go in. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he, he makes more sense at the fort and he's going to work for the Pelicans, which still one game after being in the doghouse for a few weeks. And, you know, he, he, I guess he's had a couple of games at this point, but he's got a long way to go. Um, but good first step. Yeah, man, dude, I am. Um, I don't know what to make of it. If they want to do anything with this trade value, because apparently he's in trade talks or he's in trade rumors or teams are firing, blah, blah, blah. They're going to have to play him, and they're going to have to figure out a way to make him effective. And so I think it's a win-win in terms of if he's producing for them and raising his trade value and also helping win games, it's probably a good outcome. Um, I, I, I've i always been a believer in Jackson Hayes. I just don't think they've ever had the right posture construction for him or the right kind of guard play. But I don't know, man. We'll – We'll we'll see. This guy is a uh, a special case, both on and off the court. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> that well well put. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I, I know we wanted to go to a lot of the. We haven't been doing a good job recently of going to questions from from folks on Twitter. Um, but I, I don't know. Before before we jump into that, is there any other kind of broad takeaways over the the how the Pelicans improved play over the last? last few weeks um so it's been a while since we, we we've talked I and mean, anything that's jumped out to you i mean brandon ingram's just been unbelievable uh outside of the, the fact that he got hurt um uh early in that just the okc game so it was okay okay game, right no the game before that whatever that game um when brandon ingram got hurt outside of that he's for the past like month almost he's just been unbelievable like from from scoring to playmaking to to doing it all like that's the player that got the max contract that's the player that the fans are kind of hoping for while he was struggling when he was coming back from that hip injury i mean he has been certainly a driving force for the pelicans improved play yeah i, I think it's important to, to state it in no uncertain terms because i feel like over the past few weeks we've we the conversation has been about who's who surprised you um and the fact that ingram is just doing all-star shit and it shouldn't, it doesn't, and shouldn't surprise people. It hasn't gotten maybe talked about as much as it, it should have, because, you know, we, we've rightly been praising guys like Josh Hart for, for kind of really stepping up. There was all this fanfare around Devonte Graham's game winning heat, which was, which was awesome, obviously. Um, and, and now, and then Herb Jones throughout the stretch too, but <laughs> the driving force behind between our, uh, behind the Pelicans improved play is, is Brandon Ingram. Um, and so it's, um, you know, really, really important to, to make sure that he's getting the praise he deserves. Cause he, you're right. He's been, he's been fantastic. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go to, go to question. You want to kick it off for us? Uh, uh, 
I, I got one for you to start off because I got I got to hit Chris Chris Connors. Uh, so uh, how 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 long is Schmidt growing his hair? People need to know. <laughs> are we are we talking about like time? Are we talking about length? Like what, what what are we what are we going for? I, I don't you you take that question however you want it, man. I'm not I'm not here to interpret. <laughs> okay, so hold on one sec. I gotta pull this up. So last time I got a trim was September 29th, and so it's been basically what two three months three months since. And and that was just like getting a couple inches short. It was already pretty long at that point. And then I should probably go get it trimmed again just to like get it shaped up. However, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm going to kind of keep it this length. I've been, it's a weird thing. I've been kind of like tying it to getting into shape. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to get in shape for the summer. And then I'm going to be, I don't want to have long hair in the summer. And this New Orleans heat is going to be this hot and annoying and messy and so let me work my way into shape and then when i've hit the goals i'm trying to hit i'll also like cut my hair and so that's that is the that's the hair plan got it all right i had i had to start with that one but i, I do want to um i, I want to throw one more out there and, and it's top of mind because of the, the the kind of the pressure that that um that Willie Green had both, or I mean, the game last night, obviously, and then the the conversation he had with some of the season ticket tonight. I, I think um, so. A question from Chris Young at uh, Radio To Go Online asks about just just about the impact of Willie Green um, and the fact that this team looks like they're gonna they would run run through a wall from them. So I'm gonna kind of riff on what what he's you know what what he's saying and kind of ask what, how much do you feel like of the Pelicans being. Uh, you know, the improved play of late and really seeing how, um, you know, how they've turned things around, so to speak, after that one twelve start, how much is it, is it just Willie Green being the, the different type of coach and a better type of coach for this Pelicans team? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think these type of questions are always difficult to answer because what you're essentially asking is what portion of this can I assign another thing? And so it's like, well, can't you know like is Willie Green 80% responsible for these wins no you know like Brandon will play really well is Willie Green like 50% responsible for this probably not and so when you start working to the percentages you're like okay well if he's like 10% responsible is that meaningful does that even matter but I think another way to kind of look at it is today you were posting about those transition stats and the transition defense stats um they've been a lot better than they've been in years and Stan Van Gundy uh, always used to yell out how this team, um, you know, the book is out on them. You just run on them and they, you know, will be able to get easy points. And that is not the case this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I like that. And so since that is not the case this year, I, I think there is no, I, I don't believe there's like any kind of overarching scheme that fixes transition defense. I think it's the will to want to do it. and. I, I just don't think previous coaches have been, I guess, articulate enough or convincing enough or motivating enough or whatever it is. They haven't been able to get through to the, the roster in, in accomplishing that task. And it appears as if Willie has. Yeah. Um, and just for a point of reference, the, those transition stats, I was just, I was taking a look earlier today at um, 
you know, the, the different play types. So whether after an, after a made shot versus after a rebound versus after a turnover, what's the offensive efficiency look like? And, and so basically the, the, for the defense specifically, the takeaway was after, after a made shot, after a rebound, the Pelicans are pretty much right where they were last year, which, um, you know, uh, as far as rankings across the rest of the NBA puts them lower, but at points for possession, it's about the same. And so the, the, you know, first question is, is that, you know, that's about where you expect yes or no. I feel like it kind of is. I, I think most people would have agreed the Pelicans, and this is obviously before we knew Herb Jones going to be such a big part of the, of the rotation. But, you know, I think a lot of people would have agreed that the Pelicans personnel wise, maybe got a little worse on defense. Um, whether, whether or not you believe that that's, that's, uh, that's another matter entirely, but the, the big difference is after turnovers, I mean, they were given up 1.28 points per possession last year, which was kind of middle of the road. And this year they're third and, and they're only giving up 1.14 points per possession. And, and that's, that's, it, it, it's a lot of things. It's, it's not committing stupid turnovers. It's luck. Um, and, or, I mean, live ball, I'm equa- equating stupid curvers, live ball turnovers. And then there's just giving a shit there's trying playing hard trying hard and i think that's kind of what you're speaking about and i think that's something you can't really um you know that's it's as much as i want to say and i've said it before that it's about as a player you just gotta want it um i'm i'm coming around to the fact that there's a little bit to be said for just wanting to play wanting to play for somebody and and you know whether or not that that's a good thing or bad thing uh is what it is and and willie green's bringing that out of him well josh hart certainly doesn't hold back anytime you ask him about the difference between this year and last year. <laughs> he has taken so many shots at Dan Van Gundy that are not at all. Um, so. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very fair. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think I, I, yeah, I agree with what you said. It's hard to really, put a percentage on it, but uh, it's clear that he is making a difference and early on good, looks like a really good uh, hire for the, for the Pelicans. All right. Let's uh, ask a question to you and I will ask our friend Jeremy uh, his question. And his question is the fact the Pelicans have their first winning month since March, 2021 and their first month finishing two games over 500 since, um, the pandemic started six and four. Oh, that is not a question. It's just a statement. Well, to be fair, the the tweet I posted for when they count was "What's on your mind?" And so, yeah, we can still talk about stuff. And like that, I mean, that's it is. It's, I mean, all right. I mean, let, I let's ba- baby steps. You know, it wasn't a question, and he's going to yell at me later, repeating <laughs> what you just repeated. That's fine. This is for Jeremy. Oh man, I'm just trying to, I'm, 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 uh, I guess I'm playing, playing good cop then. Um, but I mean, it's, I, I don't mind mentioning it. It's, it's cool. It's, I mean, it, the fact that it's a, that it's worth mentioning is probably a, a problem in and of itself. But, um, you know, again, I think ties into the last point about Willie Green that he is pushing, pushing this team forward and, and, and not letting them lose hope, even though the start was pretty, pretty horrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, let's get questions next time, I guess. Yeah. They uh, get questions. They're 10, <laughs> six in their last 16, which is completely arbitrarily pulled out of a hat by me. Um, 16 was a made up cutoff, which puts the Pelicans as the ninth best record over that span, but um, you know, 11th best net rating. So it's been a little bit above average on both offense and defense uh on on both ends and so uh yeah 
on both ends. Of course, that's the defense is how it works. What are you saying, Schmidt? Um, anyways, <laughs> they've, been, they've, been, they've been way better than the abject awful that they were uh, at the beginning of the year and kind of like raises a lot of questions on what they should do um, going forward. And, you know, because it's easy to talk yourself into, well, we're missing Brandon right now. We're missing Nikhil. We're missing Josh. We're missing Zion. We're missing Kyra. Um, we're missing Dalton Holmes, who we cut for uh, who's the second two base? Jared, Jared Harper? Harper, who, who yeah, who, 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 he, he was fun last night. Was that good. was great. <laughs> yeah, he looked he looked like he was in control. Dude, I I, 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 I just barely missed yeah, trying to get a picture of him next, standing next to Jackson Hayes, and it was hilarious. Dude, I saw the I saw that like on the when the game ended, and they were like dapping up people, and I'm like, that dude is small. <laughs> but maybe he's the guard that like uh, that helps Jackson simplify the game for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to say, and now I'm looking through the questions that, uh, so I, I promise you, uh, even you can choose not to believe me, of course, but uh, Pelican Fever 30 pretty much uh, explained Herb Jones. Uh, like what is he, his question was around what he can be skill set wise. And he said a more reliable shooting Iguodala. It's like, oh, well, okay. Well, at least one person agrees with me, but uh, I, I did not see that before we were recording, but I'm sure. I'm sure no one will believe me. I just, I, so let's just, we can just say I stole that answer. This episode is brought to you by Monday.com Work OS. Injuries can limit a player's time in the game. A lack of experience can limit them from getting recruited. And COVID breakouts can limit your best team from getting on the field. But limits aren't limited to sports. There's a lot that can make us feel limited at work, too. Walls that make it hard to truly show up and do our best work. Siloed information lack of transparency, rigid work software. That's why there's Monday.com, the customizable work software that helps you work without all those limitations. Departments of any size and organizations from any industry rely on Monday.com to build, run, and scale all their workflows. With Monday.com, teams have a unified platform where they can gain insights from each other and work better together. With everyone gaining visibility into each other's work, people at all levels can get clarity into where progress stands, and everyone knows what's up without having to constantly check in. Leave your limits behind and discover what you can accomplish with Monday.com. To start your free 14-day trial, go to monday.com slash podcast. So, so here's a question for you in line with kind of the way questions have been going. This is from Biggity. He says, are we winning because we are playing inferior teams or is there an act or is there actual improvement have we improved from the worst team in the league to the seventh worst team is that our feeling this year look so not to be a downer but the pelicans haven't exactly blown the doors off of the bad teams they play i mean that we have to call a spade a spade in that the the, the pelicans the, the wins have been fun but they've also played really close games against teams that you could argue they shouldn't have played that close against um now uh, obviously no no Zion um but I mean this the team has you know the, the rotation or at least the starters have played well together and still I mean I guess the, the issue here is the bench right and and the starters are playing well the bench is kind of getting the blows the doors blown off of them so um I think there's a combination and maybe more than we would like to admit that it comes from the inferior teams um I, I guess you know hopefully we get some some guys back uh with the few days off before this next stretch because the next four games are going to be pretty brutal against what I would call four of the best five teams in, in the league um, in the top three in the West of Utah um, Phoenix and golden state, and then uh, the bucks. So I think all you're missing there from the top five is pretty much the, you know, the Brooklyn nets. Um, yeah. And yes, I mean, I, I, yeah I don't 
I mean, like, let's let's take a look at the the wins that have happened recently, right? So it's like the Cavs was a good win. As, you know, they were missing some folks, but that was a good good win without Brandon. Yeah, so were Josh, yeah, right. Know, all that that was that was a legitimately good win. Uh, <clears throat> lost to the Thunder, um, bad team. Lost to them, yeah, close game. Win against the Magic, bad team. Win against the Blazers, who were reeling. Um, and I have been reeling. They were a bad team. They are a bad team. You know. Uh, not gonna you know say much about that. Went against the Bucks overtime without Giannis and Drew had to score forty. How many points did Drew score? No, 40 no, no Middleton either. Yeah, no Middleton either. Uh, went against the Thunder, bad team. Lost against the Spurs, bad team. Uh, went against the Pistons, bad team. Um, lost the overtime loss against the Nuggets. That was a, a good game. Um, you know, lost the Rockets, bad team. Went against the Mavericks, who were very iffy at that time, and you know they was just we just they split up the 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 home home. I guess it wasn't a back to back. It was a it was a a home away Dallas series with the two in a row back to back thing, but it was a, a day in between. And then a win against the Clippers. So like most of them have been bad teams. The wins have been against shorthanded or bad teams, and they've also failed to be bad teams. So it was a pretty cupcake part of the schedule so like you said the next five games are going to be pretty pretty interesting i you know i wait let's get a prediction what so bucks jazz Suns, warriors raptors um actually let's let's go further timberwolves clippers nets celtics now let's just stop it at that so like you're, one, you're making this complicated now. Four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. The next eight games. I don't see a single bad deal in the next eight games. I mean, the Clippers are are not are not good with the players they have healthy right now. But they're not bad. I mean, they're they're heavily relying on Eric Bledsoe right now, man. Uh, okay, I, <laughs> I take back everything I said. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I haven't looked and see what what Toronto's done recently, but they're. You know, they're they're them and the I, I put them and the Timberwolves are on the same tier. They're mediocre, and I, I would based on when we're playing them. Yeah, no, I mean mediocre is not. It's you know five hundred ish, and that's I, I guess the Wolves have been better than that recently because um, they yeah they had a good stretch to start the year, then they got bad, and now they're good again. Um, but yeah, and then I, the Raptors we're going to get them when everyone's back. I feel like um, they, they're missing. They've been missing a, a few guys, and so yeah, I mean it's so if we're looking at the next eight games, I mean. Honestly, two and six feels, uh, you know, feels like a fair outcome in my mind. And then if the Pelicans go two and six, like, I just, you know, this is this is where it gets confusing to me, where with what people want and and you know where, where the season's going. So if the Pelicans, if most people will like concede to you, like, okay, yeah, two and six is like a fair outcome, <laughs> and um, then it happens, <laughs> yeah, then you know they'll be like, ah, like you know this is terrible, or you know, they'll just like pretend like they don't care. Um, but the thing is that right now they're a game behind the Spurs in the win column for that 10th spot. You know, the Spurs are 14, they're 14 and 19. They play less game than the Pelicans. And then the Pelicans are 13 and 22. But, you know, game behind in the, in the win column. Um, Sacramento's right there. Portland's right there too. And so you have to leapfrog Portland and Sacramento and San Antonio to get into the play-in. You have this schedule coming up. You have no idea if Zion's even going to play this year. Uh, Ingram should be back pretty soon. Probably going to miss a game or two. Um, 
I just like this rat race. I, I don't. I just don't get up for it. I I would feel so much better if the Pelicans were firmly in the bottom three. I hear you. I do. Um, I think there's something to be said for. So there's the fan base, obviously, right? That is, uh, of not wanting to continue to just kick the can down the road. And I get it. Um, and there's also the Zion aspect too, where like, if you're going to get him back, you want to be playing for something. Um, I mean, other than that, I, I totally hear you. And, and especially when it comes so I, see the re and the reason even more so that I think that that could, that would be advantageous to the Pelicans uh, thinking long-term is because look at this, look at, look at the, the standings in both conferences, how many teams as we get close to the trade line are actually going to be, True sellers, because I think I can, nobody. I can find five. I can find five teams, maybe. I mean, I think nobody's Ooh. a stretch, right? It's it's the Rockets and Thunder. They will, and then the Magic and Pistons, and then who uh, do the Thunder have to sell? Who are they going to sell? Fair. I, I'm just talking mentality wise, like looking at are the Rockets. Team. Yes, the Rockets. I think with Eric Gordon and John Wall and Christian Wood, yeah. they will. I, and, Okay. Tough, tough of the Thunder. I, I, I get personnel wise, and, and you can make the same case around the Magic and Pistons too. But um, so yeah, I mean, so so I, getting so to the same the point. Maybe the Pacers. The Pacers might sell. But even the Pacers, they've made it very clear they're not going to tank, and so they're trying to trade talent for talent, right? Like with Rick, Rick Carlisle there, they're not going to just give away players for picks. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna try to swap it. The Pacers are dumb. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I think that that's that's the point is that if the Pelicans were in that mindset, then they could probably they'd be in a buyer's market, and and so they should be a seller. They should they would control the market. Like Josh Hart would be like the best player available, like in the whole NBA right now, if they were to like so. I mean, he's not available for trade. January fifteenth, whenever January fifteenth happens, you know, he would probably immediately be the best player to that like that is acquirable, and so. Man, I don't know. Like, I just this I, like the wins excited. Like, beating Cleveland was was fun, and if they're able to win consistently, that's awesome. But like, I just don't buy it. I don't think they're a good team. I think they're there's something there. If if all, if all the pieces are healthy, I think it's I, I buy into that PR a sleeping giant stuff. I, I do think it's a team that's built for a superstar, but. As it currently stands, they've lost so much ground, and, and there's so much more ground to be lost because their big guys is not healthy. And yep. and so, like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, if if this next eight they went like six and two, I'd be like, okay, fine, fine, just make your buy move and and go for the play spot, just go for it. But I just feel like you go two and eight, and that leaves you at fifteen and thirty for the season or you know not two and eight two and six it leaves you 15 and 28 for the season it's pretty bad like i just i don't know i, I would like having that top three pick even a top five pick and everything like, oh why draft another 19 year old okay don't draft him trade him for the Aaron fox your single best pass best pathway to an impactful player is through that pick in my opinion yeah. Like people are like, sell high on Jackson Hayes. Okay, who the fuck is paying for Jackson Hayes right now? He had one <laughs> good game in in ten weeks, and all of a sudden GMs are gonna call Griffin and be like, you know that second rounder I offered, I'll offer you another one. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, 
Like, like, why are you? You want, everyone wants to to become buyers and have these good players, and either you got to buy imperfect players, like kind of like Kevin Love, who who is having a pretty decent season, uh, lining up the Pelicans, or you have to buy, you have to overpay to get stars. And I would love to overpay and just force a team into a rebuild, but like you got to have something worth paying. And and the Pelicans, you look around their young core, and they got nothing. They got Herb Jones, and everyone's like, Herb Jones is untouchable. Herb Jones for Dame Lillard. Call yeah. him. Call him. But, I mean, that's the thing. is like, I want this to be a good team. And and I think the best pathway for it to be a good team is if they have that asset. That's going to be the strongest asset available to them. And I don't know. That's, that's just, and then if they can get more assets in the process, you know, by – by moving Josh Hart and all that, even better because it's not the Josh Hart and the team that are going to put this team to the next level. It's who you're going to trade those Josh Harts for. Yeah, uh, and I think um, so. One, at least we waited thirty or forty minutes, whatever it was, before we became before we dashed everyone's hopes. Um, so at least I think that's that's a step in the right direction. For I don't think you're. I don't think you're you're, you're on my. Like pro tank from Bay I mean, the problem is mentally, I, I am, I am certainly with you, but I, I am so th- that's kind of where I was going to go. It's, it's like the X factor to me, which is always the X factor, is is I am Williamson, and so um, respect to everyone who's listening here, but fuck the fans. I don't if, if they want to tank and not push for the plan for another year, I I would stand behind that, and I realize that <laughs> I realize that others may not. Um, it, to, to me, it's about if you think that the Pelicans still have a decent chance of retaining Zion uh, for longer than just like another season. How much does it matter to be competitive, uh, you know, down the stretch of the season versus going and trying to get, get better odds that pick. Cause remember we're, we are talking about fairly uh, more, more flat and lottery odds here. So you're not gaining a ton of ground by cre- by increasing each incremental step. Um, so that's worth mentioning, but that, that's just my, that's my one big question is, is what does it do to your chances of being able to keep the one guy that you, you absolutely need to keep if at all possible? You know, I, I think mean, it has no bearing okay. because the dude is injured and we don't know about his long-term health. So I think he's going to take the money. And if he wasn't going to take the money, I don't think the difference between being, um, 28 and 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 50 whatever i can't even do math right now um you know having 28 wins in the season and 32 wins in the season or 35 wins in the season is going to be to make a break point for him side of the extension now if it was like oh 28 wins and then 42 wins yeah okay but this team's not getting to 42 wins this year so i i just i don't think you know like any whatever win totals you come up with whatever season they end up with even if they fight and claw their way to 10 and, and Zion's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, that's the reason I'm signing. I, I don't think so. I think he's signing because he's a walking injury risk and, yeah. and, and, you know, he'll sign and then he'll force his way out. And that's what he wants. If he doesn't yeah. want to, then that's great. But at this point, we have no idea what he's going to even look like as a player or when he's ever going to play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that, and I think the, the longer he sits out, the more real that, that scenario becomes. And and at the same time, you know, is he <laughs> is he coming back this year? I, I think that's still a very fair question to be asked. And if the answer is no, um, 
and one that's going to be that that's where I would it would be kind of pro fans on get getting strung along if the team kind of had an idea the entire time that he might miss the whole season. Um, I don't know if that's that that's the case. They probably are. They, they probably have genuine hope that he's going to return the season. And if so, I understand the path they're going down. Um, but the second you tell me Zion's out for the year, I'm saying to hell with any anything this season. Like like there's no there's no reason to in my mind to besides just to give the, the players some 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 reason to feel good. But there's no reason to make that push. You 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 go and you you you. I mean you don't you don't put a bunch of scrubs out there, but. Uh, you, like, no, like you I said, have you, you out there. I mean, my, my scrubs, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the rookies, like put yeah. the young players out there. You're already putting scrubs out there when Garrett Temple and Thomas Sanderanski play. <laughs> They're getting all of the minutes. You're putting them out there. So, like, why not play the younger scrubs and either boost their trade value or get your own intel on if these guys are ever going to be players or not? And so, you know, I find it way more uh, on a personal level. I find it way more exciting to root for that kind of team where it's a bunch of like young players with no expectations and then they're learning how to play together play hard i will root for wins you know all all day long knowing that they're going to lose a lot of games but like just the process they're going through to figure out how to win it's just it's fantastic but like you know when you're when you're running temple and Zanransky for like the combined 40 minutes a night 20 apiece it's just like, wow, I, yeah. I have no interest in watching that combination chase the 10th seed and when, yeah. when they've been at the bottom of the West for so long. I couldn't agree more. And then it gets back to, and again, it's, it's, we're talking about how to approach the trade deadline. And so a lot of moving parts, but yeah, I mean, it's going to, again, it's going to be a buy. The, the a trade buyer's. deadline with Griffin both years has been a dud, complete dud. Yep. He's been completely inactive i mean like yeah the, the biggest thing he did was the jj reddick trade which was the net the net outcome was like a second run pick right that was that was the james johnson trade all right right but the net outcome like the one yeah. that, that we still have is that second round pick uh yeah i i, I guess so i don't know <laughs> yeah it was, whatever so that's that's yeah. it you know it's like so i you know i i've I have zero confidence that David Griffin is going to be a seller. I, I think David Griffin is, you know, likely to buy into this idea that someone like Josh Hart is becoming a vocal leader on the team. You need him and blah, 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 blah. I think it's great. It's the exact time you sell. Like, it's the exact time you sell high. People talk about selling high on, on guys like Jackson Hayes. No, the sell high is, is Josh Hart. That is the single sell high candidate on, on this team. And, sure. And, so, I guess, but what's what does sell high mean to you in terms of the return like what because i mean you want to i mean it's hard enough finding talent for this team uh that wants to stick around and so what are you what are you trading him for i guess is my question draft assets <laughs> that's I, I i i don't know man uh i mean i, I think i i get the sell high um idea but what the, what have the draft assets gotten the Pelicans so far? <laughs> that, I don't think that's a good argument. I don't think that that the the fact that the, the Pelicans have made poor decisions on everything, you know, then you can just say like that's, the Pelicans. That's not what I'm saying, though. That's not what I'm saying. Their 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 draft pick stuff, everything that they've done, their coaching hire stuff. So maybe they should not do anything. So I, I just don't. That, 
That's not it. I, I'm not even accusing them of making bad decisions. I'm talking more about the, the guy's got to be out there and available. And, and so far, that's what they've been piling and piling assets for. And it, the, the guy has not become available. And so that that's the struggle is like you're betting on the superstar. Oh, I, think, I think those guys are available. I think they've been too big of cowards to go get them. Though. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that, but that's that's certainly I interesting. Buy that. Huh. I buy that. I, 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 there's, there's dozens of players that they could have had if they just we're like, okay, fine. We're gonna blow the doors off this offer here. Like Deer and Fox, I'll bet that's true. I'll bet it is. I'll give you that. But also at the same time, is 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 the is Deer and Fox the guy you empty the clip for? Like everything. I don't know. Uh, I mean, based on what's happening in Sacramento right now, I could say it might not be. <laughs> I would do it. I would find that team fun to watch. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, that that the thing is like. Yeah, Jack, that you, you ask, like, what does Jack ask that Scott do? And it's like, I just have zero belief that Josh can sustain this level of play for a long period of time. And this is who he is on a good team. You know, a, a team that is legitimately good. This is who I, and so I would love for someone to, to believe that he is and, and pay a significant amount for him and, you know, get you either a player that fits or a requisite salary, like someone like, the Utah Jazz, they have some tall white shooters that can really, really shoot the ball really well. So if they want to include one of those players in a pick, that'd be fantastic. I'm just laughing how you describe that that, that player. <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong? Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. That was fun. That was fun. All right. What else we got? Oh, no, uh, I mean, before you before before we move on, if okay. The all Kings, right. If the Kings were like, "Here's Buddy Heald in a first round pick for Josh Hart," do you say no to that? Uh, no, I do not say no to that. I take that okay. immediately. Okay. And if the Knicks offer you a pick, you say no to that? Um, maybe because they're the Knicks and and they can stumble into talent now that they have one good playoff season. I'm not sure what. I mean, it depends or on what. If it's the, like what, the what, most like this coming immediate pick, like this season. First for Josh Hart, I think you have to, man. I mean, I mean, look at their record. The Knicks are tenth in the in the East. They're sixteen and eighteen, and that pick might end up in the lotto. The King, the Kings deal is, I mean, just honestly, is more enticing to me because they're the Kings and because Buddy Hills is legitimately. It's that it's I lo- I like watching him play, even if he's kind of a a, a turnstile on defense. Um, and then you can kind of sell, I mean, it's easier to sell. And again, I think I just, I enjoy him. Um, but the, the Knicks, I think I would like to see you get a player that's like, like something in addition to that pick. Um, but because I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm less, I, I'm not an instant yes on the next Knicks idea. I am like, I think prob probably, um, but because yeah, I I feel like a lot of times as fans, like you said, we we overvalue our own players, and I think Josh has had an awesome couple of months, but you know that also has to continue. And is he going to continue this level of play? Is he going to keep getting that much better? Um, I don't know. Um, but also, it, it sometimes takes longer for high, higher levels of play to resonate across the league. And so, how we are seeing Josh Hart night in and night out. I don't know if other teams are seeing that yet. And so are they going to make offers that are kind of in line with his improved play? Um, so I don't know. It's a tricky situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the other thing trading Josh Hart does is it opens up minutes for Trey. 
and I think Trey needs minutes. And then, and then when you end up with a top five pick and you end up drafting a Jabari Smith, there you go. There's more minutes for that guy too. Let's not forget Najee Marshall, who was supposed to be better than Josh Hart at a <laughs> It's okay. We can trade Josh Hart because we've got the next Josh Hart. We have Najee Marshall. Who's been Garrett terrible. Temple. Who would need Josh Hart when you have Garrett Temple? God. Man. Uh, okay. Can, can we can we can we close the door on this one? I'm getting sad again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can close the door. All right. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Um, what else we got? We've we've hit on some of these and throughout these our discussions. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> oh, I got one for you. All right, go ahead. So what do we do with not? Do we give him a mid-level type extension in the offseason, see if someone takes a swing on the upside? What is your ideal rest of the season look like? Oh, no, that's a separate question. I've already talked about what my ideal rest of the season looks like at nauseum. Um, what do we do with Nikhil? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that. What, I, what does ideal rest of the season look like for Nas specifically? Like I, I would, if someone wants to take a swing on his upside, that, that's, that's a guy I'll move. <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, rather I'll, I'll take, I'll take picks for our, our pick for, um, for, for Nikhil if, if a team sees that in him. Um, otherwise I want him, I want him playing. I want him playing a lot. Um, somewhere how you're thinking about Trey, I, I think, um, I, I think he needs minutes and I think he needs to have minutes. Um, I, I think putting him in minute in situations where he's like the scorer, the guy, is just doing him a disservice and is encouraging him to, to take more of the bad shots that he's already been taking this year. And so I think, I think he's got to be put in situations throughout the game. I'm not saying you start him just because he needs to play, play alongside good players, but he's getting to put in situations where he doesn't feel like he has to force it to like make his presence felt. Um, it's a lot of this is, is just his mentality. Um, and, and so if he's not going to get his mind right around how he needs to, to play on a day, night and night out basis, then he's not going to cut it full stop. Um, but I, you know, I think he, his, I, I want to say every time I, every time I, I was like, you know, it looks like he's playing a little bit better. And then you look at his field goal percentage is still just dog shit. And so, um, so I don't know, like, I, I think he's got to get minutes with uh, alongside the right guys to, you know, to start trying to break some of those bad habits. Um, cause it's not, has not been pretty. Yeah. The kill is weird because he's the type of player that like you draft and teams would want simply because of his size like he's 6'6 has a decent wingspan because like he's switchable you can do different things with him like he's he's the archetype that gets value if they're even semi-decently good problem is he hasn't been semi-decently good so i for me my approach with him and any player on this roster not named um brandon incarum for Williamson, is i'm open i'm open to hearing about it you know and and i'm not like proactively looking to get rid of this guy like i am um some of those vets but i am definitely you know if, if a decent deal presents itself and like doesn't like so like well let me throw some scenarios at you, you let me know like what your threshold is um so that next pick for for not like is that still a no for Nikhil? yeah Goodbye. <laughs> where, where, do, where do I sign? Okay. So how about a... You agree, um, right? Yo, completely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that pick, the kill is draft 17th. That pick is probably like worse than, I mean, like better than 17th. So like that would be a increase in asset value, like 
immediately. So yes, no doubt. Um, so what about like the jazz? So the jazz offer you a first. And it's like, well, I, I don't know which first they have available. Let's just let's just assume the team with the twenty eighth pick this year. Yes, man. Any team. any first round pick is gone. I, I think like he just hasn't. And it, because my mindset is this is probably his lowest point. I'm hoping this is his lowest point in terms of asset value. And if a team's willing to give a first for that, then yeah, bye. I, I mean, I think I, I'm not trading him for like a second round pick. But what about um, how many so how many seconds? So we got four from Nico Miritich. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, there's um, some decent ones in there, like Washington and, and some other. Yeah, there's some good ones in there. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's about the quality of the second round pick over the quantity. Like you can you can buy. I mean, you can buy a shitty pick or two if you want. Um, so right. I mean, if we're, if, if we're talking like if we're talking a couple picks between in in the you know two, two bad two second round picks from bad teams. Uh, I, I'm I'm listening. Um, uh, I know I, uh, I I don't think I'm saying yes, um, but I, I am I am listening. Do you need Do you need what about like 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 what kind of player return would you need? Was there like a someone else's project that you would take on? Ah, that's I, that's that's too broad of a question for me to give you a straight answer to right now. Um, but I, I would imagine. You could uh, that that feels like something that could you could probably come up with a realistic trade uh, project. Here's a trade that here's a weird trade. Um, I would give you. I don't think the Jazz would ever do it, but let's say like their owners like, oh no, I've lost a lot of money. I need to save uh, my luxury tax bill. Here's Jordan Clarkson and our first round pick for Nikhil, and you're like, fuck yeah, done. Taking on Jordan Clarkson's contract. I think. Uh, let me. I don't. What's what's Jordan Clarkson's contract? How many more years do you have? actually don't know he probably doesn't have that much <laughs> i think he's got like two years left uh checking now um so clarkson's got two years uh yeah so he's got 13 next year and then a player option for 14 i mean i don't think i don't know if i'm doing that man i don't know i don't think so oh you're not doing that i'm doing it clarkson could be the tank commander for the rest of the year and then you know <laughs> That's you two just, more years of guaranteed money for him at a, at a like it's just an okay, overpayment. But like you need so like a, you're probably trying to be good next year, and so he fills a role of scoring, which is what you would want Nikhil to do, right? I mean, you I'm have surprised. Two years, two years left of Nikhil, and so who's going to be the better player two years? From now? I mean, that's a very I don't think I don't like the way that way of looking at it. <laughs> um, I, 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 the, my answer is neither. My answer is neither of them. <laughs> oh man, that's a that's a tough one. We may have to come back to this. I would do it. I, I think it's a pretty easy decision for me. Huh. Okay. So you you kind of gave me. Uh, I, I I felt you kind of questioned when I when I was thinking about uh, two second rounders from bad teams. Um, but like the jazz pick will be what 20, like 25, let's say, plus a bad contract or yeah. not a, ter- not a terrible contract, but like a not good contract. It's like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's better value than what I was talking about. I mean, it just depends on how you view Clarkson, the player. But yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think Clarkson's very good, but in terms of like filling the role, I think he fills that scorer role better than the kill and you know the extra the difference in salaries you're being compensated for in in terms of the pick so 
yeah again i just prefer to have neither of them um then <laughs> well, oh, not, i don't know i'm that's that's not fair that's that's not fair to Nikhil. I I I don't want to like this is this is way too doom and gloom for him. I don't. It's Reagan Sankey's like not he, he's unable to turn the ship around, and I don't think that's true. Um, but the point the point to start all this was like, well, you, you know, if you, if you feel like if you can get a first for him right now when it feels like his value is very low, it seems like that would be a a smart a smart asset management thing to do. So um, if a team, so the flip side, if a team offered you one second round pick and the was like like in the thirties. No, no. For, for no, no, no. For four, for, for Jackson. Sorry, Hayes. for Jackson Hayes, one second round pick in the thirties for Jackson Hayes right now. You just send it. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. Why not? Um, I just, I, I don't know what, what it is. Be, like, what just two. What, what about two? <laughs> deal for what about two? I, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. This, no, no, it, it is funny. I love watching you struggle. <laughs> that's that's cruel. Because I, I, it's this weird like juxtaposition of what he is now versus what you think he can be, and also it's at the same time, fallacy, but, isn't it? but, but no, but it's also eight. no, but it's also what the hell that second round pick could be, which is usually a junk. If it's not Herb Jones, it's usually junk too. So like I, I would, I'd like to see the player that we have have get more a little bit more of a chance to succeed before I just di- di- put the final nail in the coffin. Cause I feel like at any point you can flip Jackson Hayes for a second, because I don't know, there's a team out there that's, that's going to be intrigued by just his stature. And so, I don't know. I, I, you I, see, I, I thought the opposite in terms of Nikhil. So what you're essentially saying is Jackson to you is a, is a, is a higher upside play than Nikhil. Um, I, hmm, I guess I'm shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm not. That's not an overwhelming yes, but yes. Okay. See, I would think if you if you pull the league, um, a player like Nikhil would be more valuable again because, like, I think guard play is more valuable. Like, you can find a big like Jackson like off the scrap heap. I think you could do that, and so. Um, you know, just in terms of productivity, like look at what Pelicans are playing or are paying Billy Hearn and Gomez. Um, you look at, you know, guys like Cody Zeller signing for the middle. I'm sure like they don't have up, like upside that Jackson does, but well, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. But he, he has I think upside, the median is also like a not good basketball player. Yeah, I, I, think the median, I, I think the median outcome for Nikhil is, is way better than what I would, that it, not way better, but it, it's, it's more, it's a better NBA player than the median outcome for Jackson Hayes. I'll say it that way. But I do think the upside of Jackson Hayes and being able to do stuff on the perimeter, make three pointers, um, you know, be more of a, a four than a five. Like if, if that is who he is and he can maximize that, I do think that's pretty damn valuable and potentially more valuable than Nikhil's upside. But I, I don't know. I, I do think that the, the average or median outcome of, for Nikhil is going to, is, is a better player than Jackson Hayes. Is Jackson Hayes going to have a better career than Czech Diallo? <laughs> we're we're really scraping the barrel here. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say I'll say yes. Okay. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I want to see Jackson on the team with a good guard. Yeah, I believe it. 
Okay. Yeah. No, we, we, we've gone off the rails here. I think we can wind this down <laughs> ask a couple, a couple more questions and, and, and wind this down. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think? And so I'll, uh, here's, here's one um, that is uh, probably going to take some time to answer. Maybe some decent debate. Should the Pelicans trade for Benson? This is from Jones, which is no. at HKS guy. No. No, so the, I think what you're saying is no, given the asking price of Ben Simmons, right? That's the right? And the agency. And the agency. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's clear that if he hasn't been traded yet, the asking price is, is irrational. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested. Would you see... Man, this is tough for me. I mean, I Nikhil, think I, Nikhil and Jackson for <laughs> I know that's, that's the deal. Okay, two seconds and uh, the next pick uh, for for Ben Simmons. Um, no, I I think it's interesting is that I do not like Simmons uh, much as a player, and obviously everything his agency has done uh, regarding a situation that I have not been a fan of. However, I could see a version of this team that didn't have Zion on it, that could be a really good team if that Simmons was on. You know, like, if there was some doomsday sure. scenario where we were like, okay, we got to trade Zion, and Zion's like, I want to go to the Atlanta Hawks, and you get John Collins and, like, DeAndre Hunter and, like, a couple picks or whatever, a bunch of picks. Um, yes, I know that trade package sounds depressing. Don't go off on me, fellas. Um, and, and gals who are listening to this podcast, but just throwing it out there like doing the same scenario. In that kind of scenario, you know, you're getting back a guy like John Collins and you have Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram, like you could, and then you already have Jonas, like you could make a pretty enormous team with those people and shoot, just put Herb out there as the, as the fifth guy. Yeah, man. And yeah. be like a really fun and good team. And, you know, it, it may not be the team that makes Ben Simmons into an all star, but who knows? Fred Vincent is here. Could be anything, but um, I mean, Ben Simmons. I'm going to draw the line on on Fred Vincent and Ben Simmons. Sorry, <laughs> I, I I I misspoke. I don't want to say all star. I mean like the like the superstar that people like wanted him to be. He's already an all star. But I think that could be a fun team. Like I just think that with Zion already being on the team, adding a player and personality like Ben Simmons is the fast way to uh, implosion. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hear you roster construction wise, and that could be enticing on a team that without Zion, but, but yeah, there's just, there's too many, there's too many questions to be answered to do that with, and that's before you get to, you know, the, the entire situation over the last few months. So, yeah, um, I've, I've got one that I think you're better suited to answer than I am. I know you are, but it's, so oh this, boy. this question, this question, um, it's from Ignatius J. Riley at Bothius 1562. How do guys like Herb Jones get missed in the draft? Is it fit? Did his role at Alabama not display his full abilities? What gives? This is a really good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens. You know, it happens every single year. Um, the guys who are upperclassmen um, already get like taken down a few notches when it comes to their draft prospect and, and profile, and um, especially guys who can't shoot. Um, so those are two big knocks, and so teams generally know that if they're picking high in the draft they want to draft for upside uh best player available i wrote a whole article on on kind of that philosophy 
the issue has been identifying best player available and then no one's really 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 been good at it outside of like the obvious picks right everyone knows anthony davis goes one everyone knows you you, you draft zion williamson okay that's easy but when you start getting into that like 10 15 20 you know that kind of range it's very very difficult to predict who's going to end up becoming the 10th best player and so what teams do is they they buy themselves time by drafting younger players and they're like okay well this player has this productivity right now and and this kind of physical profile well we can hopefully project that in our in you know in our system you can turn into something greater than this and so the value that we're going to return on his rookie contract is going to be pretty nice. And then when we get him on the second contract, he's still going to be improving and, and so on and so forth. So a guy like Herb, him being, um, you know, the, the upper color, he was a senior and, and he was a complete like non-shooter at Bama. And so it was like, well, you have this power forward sized dude who can defend, but all he really does is defend and rebound. And he can play basketball pretty nicely. He can pass and stuff. But in the NBA, that kind of player who can't shoot is just not going to get drafted high. And so, well, that's that's why. And But Herb is apparently uh, an okay shooter right now. Yeah, it's – and so I, I want to touch a little bit on one of the things you, you said, um, and that was the fact that he's a four-year college player. And I, I, I do wonder, and I don't know how every team approaches this, but – at some point, does the scale tip or should it tip in favor of some of these guys just because of when you think about a player's career trajectory? And this is a lot of what your article got to around get a draft best player available. You're not drafting a guy to be on your on your team for his entire career. You're just not. And so in that and, you know, with that being said, if you see a guy, a good four year player, a col- three or four year college player who you think his skill set translates, even if he's you know not not a perfect prospect. The, the the way that in which NBA contracts work makes that a really intriguing proposition to me because it contract number two suddenly becomes your prime years. And, and so I, I think that is, it's something that's really interesting. If you feel like, I mean, it, yeah, you're not going to nail every, every pick, uh, but if you feel like that guy can help your team, even if it's, even if it's not in year one, um, yeah, I, I think, having that ability to, you know, have that player's second contract come in throughout his entire NBA, NBA prime, um, you know, it's, uh, it's valuable. And, uh, you know, I imagine most, most franchises have built that into their, uh, their selection process, but it sometimes feels like they don't. No, I mean, like the Kings took Davion Mitchell um, at seven this year or eight, whatever they have him at, uh, the Pacers drafted like a 25 year old and like Chris Duarte at 14 or 13 or wherever they were at. And so like teams, you know, teams will draft those players. Damian Lillard was drafted um, sixth overall. And so it's not always the case, but generally speaking, I think you'll see like, in as the draft goes on, you know, you'll see a lot of young players in like between one and like 20. <laughs> and then you'll see a lot of upperclassmen going forward because a lot of those teams are good teams they're looking for production now yeah yeah for sure oh apparently uh laker film room is tweeting about how stanley johnson is going to revolutionize their small ball <laughs> <laughs> this is from, 
from Anna Jane. She's tweeting about Laker Foam Room, tweeting about that. I love oh, yeah. Anna Jane. It's a great follow. Uh, <laughs> I I just I just tweeted it's a good game going on between a top four team in the West and the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, any other questions you want to hit? This has been fun. Um, yeah, I, let's I think wrap it up. All right, man. Well, uh, thank, thank thanks for listening, guys. This is this was fun. Again, sorry it's been a while. Um, holidays, shit happens. Um, but uh, we'll you know try to get this get the train back on the rails and, and do this a little bit a little bit more often but um appreciate you sending all those questions they're great yep thanks for listening folks What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen. I'm Matt. And I'm Theo. And we are Stay Hot, the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round. I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already hitting the NBA playoffs. So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.